0: to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Divendyke. If you have any questions or need some tips, you can give us a call at one 877 Three three two eight two five five. Good morning, guys. Good morning. We're starting to see some <laughs> fall colors along the river here, big time. Big I'm time. seeing
1: some fall colors, but there's a few other things that I'm seeing on these windows. Oh, do you see so them over there? many maple
0: bugs. The maple bugs they, are all over my as house. As
1: soon as it started getting cold, people were asking, "Oh, I don't see so many maple bugs this year." But as soon as we started getting those oh, cold yeah. nights, yeah.
2: I sprayed my whole foundation with yesterday with Dr. Doom.
1: Dr. Doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got to get
2: rid of them. Yeah,
1: but the thing with maple bugs is they're not really something that's going to do harm unless they. Get underneath your like um, harmless. Harmless. underneath your maybe siding and they start building nests and mm-hmm. things like that.
2: Well, they don't build nests there, but they just hibernate for the winter time. And then but,
1: other things feed off of them. Oh
2: yeah, I had so many flies around my house <laughs> that are feeding on all the dead maple <laughs> bugs underneath yeah. my siding.
1: So those are things that can happen, but they're more like pests and nuisance and something just, that's going to harm just giving your, your the garden. AB-GBs, that's yeah. all. Yeah.
0: When they fly at you, because actually if you actually, go at them with a vacuum cleaner, get
2: my <laughs> you shop back. Can actually out. just hit them with the if you got time, you can hit them with a, a a cold blast of water like a jet stream, mm-hmm. and that's an, that's enough to kill them. Like because oh, they're okay. such a soft body, and or use a shop vac if you want to, because like we, I have so many that I could yeah. shop back them all up. Um, so there's lots of ways you can get rid of those. Um, um, you know, to, to, they're, this, they they die very easy. But like I said, they're they're totally harmless. They're just looking for someplace warm. They just yeah. want to be up and they love your house. our windows.
0: They get the, the, the yep. good sun, I guess, good up here sun
2: on the windows. Right. So that's what they're after.
0: But I like the fall color that you were talking about first. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's part of the fall colors is because there's so many on our windows. Yeah. <laughs> and we get those
1: questions all the time about when the fall colors start to come. Does that mean that things are shutting down and I should stop caring for my plants? Um, definitely you want to stop fertilizing right now. You want to slow down on your watering. But remember, we're still seeing some plus 20 days. Yeah. yeah. So um, especially if you have new plants that you've planted this here, make just sure an, that just you're giving water. them a little bit of water just so that the ground doesn't stay, uh, doesn't get dry. And mm-hmm. your lawn,
2: just slow down the watering yes, of that as well. I need to
1: turn off my timers yes, right Yes, people now. haven't
2: done that. They still leave the timers on right now. No, no. you can There's a little adjust on there. It mm-hmm. says 100% down to 50%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just take it down to like
0: 60%. Okay. Just uh, a slow shift down. So During the break, we'll do that on my app. <laughs> <laughs> Before we forget. <laughs> yes. um, we have a couple people waiting for us on the line here. We'll start off in Garden River with Lonnie. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill today?
3: Good morning. Um, I have, a I have, I a, have
2: a I have a question for you first, Lonnie. Okay. Where is Garden
1: River?
3: It's an RM northeast of Prince Albert. Ah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, like, that's the perfect the location to call into yeah. Garden
1: Talk. Yeah. <laughs>
3: And it's like named for the Garden River that runs through it, but we're we're basically on the North Saskatchewan River.
1: Ah,
2: perfect.
3: Okay, I have a thunder-tailed crab that I've had for 25 years, and I don't know if this is a sucker or if it actually grew from one of the fruit. But I I took it out um, and I put it in a pot, and it survived all summer. So now I want to know. I'd like to transplant it and see if it'll grow into another tree.
2: Yep.
3: Um, should i do it this fall or kind of nurture it all winter
2: You could do it this fall Anytime Yep You could do it okay. right now if you want to get it get it rooted in and um, now the only thing is like I'm saying if it came from the seed it's not going to be a thunder child it would revert back to the rootstock which okay. is which is more of a which is just a crab it should have just have green leaves
3: You know this is a weird tree half of it has um, has uh, uh, white flowers and half of it has pink flowers in oh. the spring and they've got different colored leaves and fruit, and it's the only one in my yard.
2: Interesting. Hmm. So so, so the, the tree itself or the sucker has this? You're saying the tree all itself? the tree
3: itself. I've got okay. branches okay. that are totally different. Yeah, yeah,
2: so that's because something's come up from below the graft. And yeah. what came from below the graft is goes back to the rootstock, which is hardy rootstock. And that'll yeah. be white flowers and green leaves. And the yeah. thunder child will be pink flowers and sort of a purple purple leaves so you have two trees so you actually don't want the green one but i mean it's fine because sometimes the green one will take over the purple one you know yeah Um, so but what you your sucker it'll probably be is your sucker that's coming in your pot right now is it green leaves yeah yeah so it won't have the pink flowers it'll have white flowers green leaves
3: but it'll still flower. I will just put it, I just yep. thought it was an interesting little experiment. Yep,
2: it'll have tiny little crabs, just like you're a little bit smaller than what your your, your thunder child has. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's a great pollinator and it'll pollinate um, your other, the other apple trees and everything around the yard as well.
3: Okay, you talking about these maple bugs. Yes. Are mm-hmm. are like the ones that look like flies with striped leaves.
2: They have they have they're no they're, they're They look long, like little beetles. They look like little beetles. Oh, and like they're black and, sh- and red and they kind have flies of flies
3: with striped leaves and they're just insane. Flies have yeah. striped stripe
2: striped, 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 striped wings. wings. That's that's a deer fly you're probably thinking about, Ooh. right? No,
3: no, nope. they don't bite. They're just really they have a lot of guts and they leave streaks <laughs> on your windows and they're awful.
2: <laughs> hmm. Yeah. You know what I do is I, I have a disposable fly it's called a fly bag, you know? Yeah. And it's disposable. I catch thousands of they flies work in that so bag. Well. They work so, but but after about a after about two to two to three weeks they stink i gotta move them away from the house <laughs> <laughs> they stink so bad <laughs> they stink so bad but then i move them away from the house and they still catch flies so okay they're really all right good. well
0: thank you for okay. the advice yeah okay yeah. bye-bye i know uh we have jerry in balgoni good morning what's your question for rick and jill today
3: Hi, um, my parents have Saskatoon bushes and they're a little bit out of control and they're wanting to cut them down. So I'm wondering if this is beneficial and if so, how low
4: they should go.
2: Yeah, because most um, Sa- Saskatoons, like the Smoky, will get about six to eight feet tall, but all the other ones, Teeson, Pembina, Martin, they all get around 12 feet high, okay? And so, yeah, the, the, even the Astonberry farms, they don't let them grow that big because they can't get their mechanical harvesters over top of them. Right. So, yeah, I would suggest cutting them back at least in half. And
1: okay? when would you want to do that, Rick?
2: You want to do it once the leaves fall off this fall.
3: Oh, okay.
2: Okay. So. The
3: leaves have to be gone.
2: So, in October. Okay. That's when you're going to do it. Or you can do it in March or the first week of April as well. Now, you're going to, your your production's going to go down for a year or two. Yeah. And then, then it'll come right back again.
3: Okay, and is it the same with dogwoods? Like, do you cut dogwoods Dogwoods down about half?
2: You can do what you want with dogwoods. I've cut my dogwoods down to, like, a foot off the ground, and they've come back.
1: And I like to save my dogwood branches and put them into my containers in the fall and the winter as well, too. It
3: looks really pretty. Oh, good. Good. Great idea. Okay, thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we can probably get to a text before we go to our first break. This one coming from Mike in Moose Jaw. I have a property with a lot of poplar trees and a nice lawn, but there are many roots that are coming out at surface level, ruining that nice lawn. Can I cut the roots closer to the tree with a ditch witch after the tree has gone dormant without the roots regrowing?
2: Uh, well, the problem is you cut those roots, it's going to hurt the tree. Okay. Okay, that that's the problem, uh, especially when you cut that close. So you can... You can cut them, I mean, but you want to be at least probably 6 to 10, I would say 10 feet away from the tree for sure, but even that could could affect some of the branches up that side okay. of the tree, okay? So some of the best ways probably to do it is just, uh, just to top dress your lawn. So you get rid of the bumps. Cut your lawn, mm-hmm. scalp your lawn basically, and put a layer of soil over top. Uh, the roots will still keep growing. As they grow, they'll come out again, but I mean... Uh, what the, type
1: of tree did they say it was? It's, uh, it's a, a, poplar. a poplar, it's poplar tree, it says. Okay.
2: So you, like I said, you 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 can cut them, and then once you cut them, you have to put a piece of landscape fabric or or ply pressure to plywood, or something vertical to create a barrier so it doesn't grow back. Okay. Okay. If you cut them, uh, we get a lot of times where people just you know they they have a especially a tower poplar, let's say that a neighbor planted, and then and, I, and then I'm trying to figure out how do I keep them growing into my garden because yeah. they keep suckering up in the grass, right? Not just have roots, but they sucker. And so, yeah, the only way you can do it is by trimming the roots and then putting a barrier up so they don't grow again.
1: And the barrier has to be about like 14 to 16 inches well, deep. Well, yeah,
2: at least yeah. minimum 12. Yeah, so minimum definitely 12.
0: A, a project either way.
2: So a project, and then putting, like I said, a double layer of, of uh, Pro 5, which is a heavy-duty landscape fabric vertical, or tin or plywood or something to keep it so that the, the roots don't grow back through that area.
1: Now right. watering would that affect it? So if you deep water near the tree, then the roots will go down yeah, deeper like, rather than on the grass. Yeah, they can kind of stay water, near the surface. Yeah,
2: keeping you definitely have to do that. But when you if you're going to cut it right up to the trunk, then yeah. there's that's not it's going to you're going to lose some branches on that yeah, side of the tree. Yeah, for sure. All right. So,
0: Sally in Lee Stock is waiting for us there. So we'll dive uh, dive into the calls. Good morning, Sally. What's your question for Rick and Jill?
4: Um, my mom grows broad beans. Every year has
3: never had a crop failure. This year she planted some in the garden and some up by the house. They grew good, they bloomed, they potted out, but the ones in the garden don't have any beans in the pods. The ones by the house have
4: beans in them. So she'd like to know what happened
2: so the ones in the garden with it is the ones by the house are they in the full sun or are they or are they uh or are they more shaded
3: they're pretty well on the west side, so they get lots of sun, and so do the ones in the garden well
2: the, the garden would get all day right, but the ones yeah. on the west side of the house might have so they might have been affected two things usually when you don't get when you get empty pods, it has to do with pollination, so they didn't uh-huh. get good pollinating so so it could be that. For some reason, the ones by the house got pollinated better, because she probably would probably use the same packet of seeds, so it's not has nothing to do with the seeds. So it probably had to do with pollination, and usually that's the reason. And uh, sometimes it could be with just also the ones you said the ones by the house were in pots, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah, Yes. So they all had pods, but
3: there was nothing in the ones in the garden. No, no beans in them.
2: Yeah. So, so yeah. So number one reason why you'll, you'll get empty pods is, is poor pollination. So yeah. something happened that way. So somehow, some reason the ones, maybe the ones in the pots were by some flowers or something like that, where they got better pollinated. That's why it's so important, even in the garden, plant, plant some pollinating plants, like put some marigolds, put some other flowers on there that would attract the bees into your garden. And also okay. even marigolds will keep other insects away as well as, well, yeah. keep all the pollinators, but keep some of the other insects away, so that's yeah. a good thing you have anything to add, Jill?
1: yeah, it was a year where we saw a lot of heat, especially yeah. in um July and August, so they will have um poorer success with the beans if they have heat. but the other thing too is your garden soil it may it's been working for years for her, but the nutrients might be depleting in that soil as well too, and it might be time to sort of refresh that soil with nutrients um a lot of times you see no seeds come in those pods because uh you you don't have enough nutrients in that soil, so adding um, some phosphates into that soil and um, some organic matter that will definitely help help with the production in those beans.
2: Especially beans would like compost and those mm-hmm. kinds of things, and yeah, and also making sure that you um, you put inoculant in with peas and those kind of things. All kind of legumes they like to have it in inoculant, especially peas but uh, oh. but I'll, but the main one would be for you i think is they just got poorly pollinated now
1: when you say inoculant what do you mean by that it's
2: it's it's an it's a it's like a mycorrhizome, which okay. you put in the soil and helps them to 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 basically fix their own grab their own nitrogen from the soil
1: now remember in your garden when you're fixing your soil root crops don't like as many nutrients in the soil they don't like as rich of soil like your potatoes and carrots and things like that so you want to sort of add those things in the areas when you have your above ground crops and in the areas when you have your like your potatoes and your carrots carrots and and beets and those things that you want to make sure that you don't add too many nutrients into
0: those areas not especially compost yes exactly okay well
4: thank you very much
0: okay thanks sally Bye-bye. Bye now. Uh, We can do a text here. Well, uh, looks like we have a call coming in, but not quite ready yet. So we'll go to a text from Jerry in Stockholm. Slugs in my lawn and garden. How do I get rid of them?
2: Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> the, the best way, like the organic way of doing it is is get one of those uh, headlights, flashlights. Okay, and you go on a hunting.
1: But first of all, you tripping. have to have a few friends over, and you have to drink a few beers, and then pour some beer into some <laughs> pie plates, and, and, and then they'll be attracted to those pie plates. Oh, at they night, want to party too, and then you can collect
4: them that <laughs> yeah,
2: way, or you can put so l- that a little, little narrow, uh, uh, like a uh, what called narrow or not very deep, uh, like a Tupperware, like a. A, a sour cream sour cream container a let's say a small one yeah stick it in the ground put some beer in there and then they'll fall in there hmm, and yeah. and they'll have a party
1: you can also buy <laughs> slug bait as slug well
2: yeah. okay. too okay so and the slug baits now are pet friendly Yeah. so you don't have to worry about that but the best way to put slug bait down is you put a piece of a narrow strip of plywood down okay and then you put some slug bait underneath that and then the slugs love to be underneath something rather than being out in the open and mm-hmm. uh cuz they'll they'll go to the plants and then they'll go underneath the plywood for the day and then they'll eat on the slug bait and be done.
0: Okay. So a few different, uh, a yep. few different options. Um, this one is coming from Julie in Battleford. Uh, curing and storing on- onions. Uh, the outer layer dry nicely, but after a couple of months, the next layers go soft. What's happening and how can I correct it?
2: Uh, on the onions, make sure you, you gotta dry them beforehand. This one thing important is this. A lot of people will do is they'll hang them even, you know, they'll have the top oh, still yeah. on them and they'll hang them. And they'll dry them, or put them on paper, or something like that. But I've seen a lot of people used to hang them, and just get them nice and dry, and then storing them in a in a in a place like some people store them in the fridge, mm-hmm. keep them for a long time. But other people will store them in a dry, cool location, yeah. you know, and and uh, and dark as well. And but that's probably the best thing to do is um, uh, is is just making sure that you dry them right from the beginning. And you don't want to... The best thing if you don't want to, a lot of fruit, you don't want to wash them. Okay. Okay, your best to clean all the dirt off of them, just with your hands a little bit, and then dry them that way rather than washing them.
1: Yeah, and in a place with some air circulation and put, making sure that you put them in something porous. So you're not putting them in like a plastic bag or right on the cement floor or something like that. Putting them in cardboard with lots of holes in it, like a perforated cardboard okay. would work. Or a mesh bag would work.
2: We use those... um we have these, at the crates. garden center, we have these crates that are, oh, yeah. they're all, they're all, they're all, all slotted, right? Mm-hmm. Lots, lots of air movement into them. I
0: guess like even and the you, milk crates kind of. Yeah. Yes.
2: And you can, like the milk crate is perfect and you can mm-hmm. stack it, right? But you and wouldn't want to put
1: too many layers of them in yes. the milk crate. Yeah. If you did, you would layer them and put like cardboard pieces in between. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. So lots of options. Um, this one is coming from, let's see. Lana in Eagle Lake uh, harvested my garlic. Had lots of heavy soil attached to them, so I gently rubbed the soil off. Now yes. hanging in the old uh, granary to cure. Yep. Um, garlic outer skins have split, exposing inner garlic. Can I still plant these skins, uh, compromised garlic cloves, this fall for a successful spring crop? Yeah, I
2: would think you should be okay. Yeah, um, I, I would say you'd be you'd be fine because. Um, if they split, I mean, that's usually a, a, a meaning of, of a lot of times of how much you've watered those things, okay. just like a tomato or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So when you have a splitting, that usually a means that, you know, the inconsistent watering. And so it's a matter of if you have to be careful because if, if they, if there's rot on them, then they're going to continue to rot in the ground. Okay. But other than the, if you, if they're clean, uh, you should be able to plant them in there because a part of that, that clove will start growing. Okay. Absolutely.
0: So it's not uh, it's not the the worst possible scenario.
2: It's not the worst possible, no.
0: All right. Uh, last one before we hit the, hit our news break. Um, a boomerang lilac is growing out of control. Can I trim it now? If so, how much? It's about six feet and blocking our window.
2: Okay. So you can trim it now, but if you trim it now, you won't have fl- that many flowers next year. Okay. I like to trim it every year right after it finishes blooming. In fact, a boomerang is one that blooms up to three times a year. Okay. Oh, wow. It'll play a big bloom on in the spring smaller bloom in the summertime when you have a cool little cool spell in the summertime and then right now i have mine in my yard blooming a little bit right now and not a ton of yeah. blooms. So if I've but got
1: to prune that after it finishes blooming, but it blooms three times. You deadhead it. Okay, just deadhead okay. it.
2: You deadhead it.
1: But if I'm wanting to do a hard pruning on my lilac, yeah, that, I will want to make sure that I'm just aware that it's not going to bloom as It's not going year. to bloom
2: as much next year, but it'll bloom the following year. And then every year after that, trim it right after it finishes blooming each time. That's whether it's a regular lilac or a bloomerang. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good one to me. Good morning, Brian. What's your question for Rick and Jill?
5: Morning, guys. A couple quick questions. Number one, I found a bag of fertilizer in my garage that's left over. It's a 3204. Would that be good for fall application?
2: It's a little bit high in the nitrogen on on the high side of it. It Does it say fall fertilizer or does it say just nothing on it? Just, it just says fertilizer. Says nothing. Yeah, it's more of a summer fertilizer. You don't want okay, to fall what
5: number shall I use for fall
2: the fall one i like the one I like using right now is is a sixteen ten three seventeen three that's what i use it's groundskeeper. Uh, but but there also is ones out there you can get that is a Scotts fertilizer or CIL or whatever, but it says fall fertilizer, so it has more than new doesn't have this, it doesn't have a concentrate of nitrogen on it. It has some more phosphorus, but uh, some some don't even have phosphorus, but they have more potassium and some of the other uh, nutrients that the lawn needs to shut down and get ready to go for next year.
5: And the best time to put that down is any, any time now. Okay, and yep. another uh, second question. Uh, to the time of year, those bloody box elder beetles yep. are showing up on my side of my house again. Yep. yep. But a south-facing uh, side, and then when it's warm, they just cling to it, and they're going to be pretty gross in a couple weeks. Yep. I've killed them before with a soap and water solution. Yep. But you have to be actively there spraying them. Anything I can apply to the my house that will repel them so they won't, hang around there
2: yeah well there's there's ones you can put on there there's the bug x out you can spray onto the foundation there's uh dr doom there's bug x out there's spider band there's a whole bunch of them all of them have pyrethrin in it and you can put it on the foundation now the only thing i'd warn people about if you're going to put it on the on the actual siding of the house go to some corner and spray it and let it dry and make sure it doesn't stain Okay. You don't want to go spraying your, and
1: sometimes it is the sun that, that will bleach it out afterwards, too. Yeah. So it's when it's dry and then the sun hits yeah. it, then that's when you get the discoloration, yeah. so too. Just so just
2: pick a spot where you can test it first. I, that's what I tell people. I don't want to tell people spray their house and then they come mm-hmm. to me. Why'd you tell me to spray it on my house for? <laughs> you know, I normally, like myself, I just sprayed yesterday. I sprayed it on the, on, on the parging on the concrete part on the, on the basement and around my windows and, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh there because yeah, they don't
5: get on, don't seem to get on the siding. It's the mainly the uh the wood part of my house, eh? Yeah. Like the wood around the door frames.
2: Yep. Yeah. yeah, they're yeah, so if you just if you can just do the foundation or you can do the uh threshold at the base, just at where the where the where it touches the concrete or the deck or whatever you have, and uh just spray around those. They'll crawl across them. Um, yesterday morning, uh, yes, this morning. All the way along the house, there was all dead bugs.
5: And how often did you apply that? It,
2: do you, it, basically once every probably two weeks, maybe, if, if it, unless it rains a lot. It lasts for quite a while.
5: Okay, buggy acts was spider ban, what was the other the one? The other
2: one is uh, Dr. Doom. That's the one I use, the heavy-duty Dr. Doom, because it stays the longest. And, okay. uh But there's a whole bunch of them. There's even ones that say wasp on them. But if they all, if you look at the ingredients, it's all the same stuff, just different labels
5: you agree, guys. Have a great day.
6: Okay. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Too.
5: Bye.
0: All right, we head to Nipawin with uh, Dennis. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill today?
6: Hi. Um, I've had numerous years now winter kill on my lawn, and it's just driving me crazy um this year i must have spent 200 hours trying to repair it but i've got it back to nice lush green which i was thinking in the fall here of of uh in october uh cutting it really short and getting it aerated and then maybe overseeding it and i was just wondering your comments on that
2: yeah i just don't like cutting it i like cutting it short but i don't like cutting it really short because if we get no snow it's gonna basically it's gonna dry out your roots quite a bit, okay, if we get no snow. Like if we get lots of snow early like we did last year, not a problem. Okay. But if you cut it that short and we get a what I call a brown Christmas, then that won't be great for this for the grass. Okay.
6: So what height would you consider short?
2: Basically my height to consider short is probably about an inch and a half
6: okay yeah,
2: yeah I thought around two inches so yeah the the uh, I go about two and a half inches for the summertime in fact, on the acreage there's a lot of places I go three and a half inches right and um so um but you know uh but if you if you scalp it that's not yeah. that's when it's not great right and okay, but uh, but leaving it but leaving it two inches long is maybe just a little bit too long because otherwise if it lays down, you're going to get the snow mold and you have the problem next year again, okay
6: okay. And I was going to ask you about applying a, uh, uh, a chemical for a for fung- fungicide. Yep. Uh, I, I know there's one for Scots called Disease X, or I yep. think my agronomist friend had suggested something called Pivot, and spraying it on. What What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, like a, if you go to the go talk to a, a greenskeeper, they spray their their greens and some of their tea boxes every every fall, right? Yeah, Right. Yeah. And so they they do that to protect them. Um, yeah. No, the only problem is that mean most customers can't buy. You have to go to a commercial place to, to in so, but otherwise, probably the one that you can buy just over the shelf is bordeaux it's a copper spray okay. that'll that'll take care of a lot of things, but it doesn't specifically go after certain things, but that's when you come into the specialty chemicals, but then you have to have a friend that's a greenskeeper.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, like I, I get lots of snow mold on my yard, yeah. and that's what uh, I'm probably going to do this year is just put a little bit of copper board dough on that front yeah. lawn and just to help it a little a bit. A
2: place you, a place you can always check out too is uh, Early's Farmer Garden Center in Saskatoon because they supply a lot of the golf courses with product. Right.
6: Well, my Green Street friend gave me the uh, solution to reseeding. Uh, yep. Might going to pass on the uh, we raked all the areas out real deep and then. Seeded grass seed quite heavy and then covered it with a half inch of sand and it came right up.
2: Well, you know what? We don't, in Saskatchewan, we don't tend to do that. You go down to the States, they reseed all the time. And we don't tend to do that here. And if you want to have less weeds, less insects like ants and those kind of things, Mm -hmm. just reseed just like that, just like you're talking about. And you'll have way less, way nicer grass and way less problems with
0: weeds and insects.
6: And is it a good time to get it aerated? Yep, absolutely. All right. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks. I know. Uh, We have a call from Warman. Uh, It's Diane. Good morning, Diane. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Um, I have
4: a large chokecherry shubert tree in my front yard, and normally the trunk is very smooth and very slick. But we noticed just this year that there's huge, big cracks in the trunk all up to one side, like it's going to, get ready to peel and i'm just wondering if it's due to the fact that we have it's been pretty hot and pretty dry here in warman this summer
2: yeah like a lot of times you'll get that you'll get a frost crack from too much moisture or you can get drying out too but also when you remember the schubert choke cherries they can also get a, a fungal which is called black knot
4: yes okay and we and we've um we've kept pretty much on top of that okay. Because uh, I called in once before and, and told you about that, and you yep. told me what to do, so we've kept on top of that. But now it's um, and is, it's doing fine so far, like, yep. as is, far as that goes. But is, is, is it
2: is it oozing out of that out of that whole crack?
4: Oozing? Yes. Um, do you know what? I haven't checked that part. Okay.
2: If, if it's dry, then you can just take a pruning paint and just seal it up that crack. Okay. Pruning uh, oh, paint or a pruning paste? A pruning paste. Yeah.
4: Okay. Okay. And, and and seal up the crack. But, but if, okay. it's wet,
2: it, if it's wet, if it's wet, if you seal it up, you're actually just keeping moisture in behind there. So it right. needs to be dry first. Right. Okay.
4: Okay. Pruning paste. Okay. Yep. Thanks so much you're, for that. You're welcome.
0: We've been talking a little bit about it, just how everything is sort of starting to change color, start to look a little bit more like fall. We're okay. having those cooler nights. What do people need to do to get ready this time of year? Uh,
2: just basically, what we talked about earlier. Just mm-hmm. slow down on the watering in your lawn, everything else, because everybody still has their automatic timers on. So I haven't been thinking about that. No, you need to turn that down a bit. And then because you want the plants to turn color. When, mm-hmm. when they turn color, that's that's what they need to do. When they stay green too long, that's not good for the plant. So yeah, start, start, turning, start doing that. And if you have roses, don't deadhead them anymore. Okay. Uh, you want them to get the rose hips to get ready. They'll you know, say, I'm done producing my fruit, and now I can get ready for wintertime. So those are the kind of things you need to do. Uh, if you have if you have your um, your 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 annuals and your pots and yeah, that you can so keep watering the fertilizing those if you, you want to keep them because this time of the year they actually look so vibrant and beautiful. I actually,
1: when I got home, my coleus baskets they were so massive. I actually went through and did some trimming, gave them some fertilizer. They're going to continue to grow and thrive. Right until and then, frost gets them. So as things start missing, I'll cut little pieces out and maybe stick a pumpkin in mm-hmm. or stick a few twigs in just sort of to add yep. them to the transition or a fall. Mom, um, transition them into fall. But the other thing people want to start doing is our nighttime temperatures are starting to get cooler. So now you want to start harvesting some of your vegetables too, okay. and getting those things pulled out. Um, some of your tomatoes, maybe pull them off and start ripening them off the vine. Um,
2: this morning for breakfast, we had I, I picked up yesterday from from the market garden from the, the Hutterites have a, at the garden center yeah. at this big like it was about the size of a small volleyball, <laughs> uh, cantaloupe. Okay. We had it this morning for breakfast. Oh, yeah. is that good?
1: That'd be a good one.
2: Oh, is I that did good?
1: melons. I did squash. I did pumpkins in my yard this year. But what I'm finding is all the dew um, that that comes with the cold weather, it's mm-hmm. it's starting to sit on the fruit, and I'm starting to get some rotting, especially okay. when it's ripe. So pulling that off the vine once it's ripe um, will be really important once we have these cold temperatures, so that you can make it last. But a little potatoes longer.
2: and carrots actually yeah, leave them as leave long as you in. Leave them in. the Beats, ground.
1: onions, you can leave those in for a little bit longer. The
2: radishes, you better get them out because they're going to be almost. Woody by now. So mm-hmm. that's why you want to plant radishes in in different when you plant your row, plant twenty five percent one week, twenty five percent next week, just so like you lettuce, get a bit of a, just like lettuce, so that with you your, get...
1: and with your squash, zucchini, any of those um, those squashes, you will start to see lots of powdery mildew this time of year yep. on the plants. So I usually just say, you know what those those leaves have kind of done their job with uh, with doing the photosynthesis for the season to produce mm-hmm. your fruit. So you can start removing those leaves and removing some of that debris and throwing it into your into your green bins at this point
0: in time too. All right, and selfishly, I have a question. <laughs> uh, I I have a balcony with like some house plants that I put outside in summer. What should I do before I bring them inside? So that's really important. Your house plants,
1: once the nighttime temperature hits about 10 degrees, you mm-hmm. want to start bringing them indoors. So okay, it's.
2: No, don't bring them indoors. You want to start spraying. Them. Well, you want to spray them before that. <laughs> <Yes>. But
1: 10 <laughs> degrees, you want to bring them indoors. And then you want to make sure you segregate them from your other house plants for about, a, I would say, about a month. Okay. So about uh, do two sets of spraying. So spray once um, before you bring them in, spray again 10 days later. And usually I'm using a product called Andal. It's a pyrethrins spray. It's also got canola oil in it. So when I'm spraying, I'll put a blanket down first so that it doesn't get on my yeah, carpet all hardwood, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Spray it good so that it's almost spraying till it's dripping. Okay. Um, and then spray up through the bottom too. Wait 10 days and then spray again. Um, my brother Luke just texted me with a picture of his philodendron and it sort of looks like it's, um it, the leaves are turning color, almost like fall colors mm-hmm. on it. But there's also some brown spots and when you turn the leaf over, you can see some some pitting on it. Okay. And he's actually got spider mites. And that's something that you'll see a lot of um, this time of year. Um, usually, when things get really hot and then dry, and then the humidity um, disappears, on the plants you start to see spider mite. Okay. So, um,
2: and some of the chemical you're going to use for spider mite, like malathion or something like that, you're, you can't spray it indoors. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and some of those are too strong for some of the house plants too. Yeah.
2: So, you want to spray a lot of the sprays you want to do while you have it outside. Yes. So you can put it in the garage and you isolate it if it's going to cool some mm-hmm. cool nights in a row, and then put it out, you know, during the warm time again you know and, and that way then you can do your spring if, if you're at the point right now where you're getting some cool nights
1: and then increase your humidity in your house around those plants they're used to being outdoors so yeah. they're going to take a while to adapt but putting some pebble trays out which is just like trays of, of rocks with some um, pebbles in them and adding a little bit of water for the, it to evaporate the rocks, around. The
2: rocks are in there to keep the pot out of the water. Yeah.
1: And then like, grouping, like grouping yeah. your house plants together they thrive that way so group your house plants together and they'll actually do better for you too.
0: Just a little a little group in my kitchen. Maybe some friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh we have a couple texts we can probably get to here before we take our next break. Um we'll start off with uh Jamie near Watson. Uh I have some beautiful greenery in my annual pots that are still very nice and I would like to start them indoors for house plants, things like ivy, wandering, etc. How do I do this and what is the best way? So there's a few ways
1: you can do it. Um, one way you can do it is just dig them right out of the pot and use what I would call the mother plant at that point mm-hmm. in time. You want to make sure you take a nice big root ball. And at that point in time, I would cut it down to about a third of the size when I'm bringing it indoors. Yep. And
2: what can you do with that third of this you cut off?
1: So first of all, what about I'll do things. is I'll mix up a bucket of soapy water and I'll take, I'll, I'll cut it off and I'll take that, those pieces and I'll sort of just rinse them off in that soapy water. Submerge them. Yeah. Submerge them right in there. That will get rid of any aphids, any mealybug, any, um, um, spider mites that you have on there. And then you can take those bottom leaves off. You need about two to three um, leaves on there and then cut the bottom on a sharp angle underneath what we call a node where the leaf okay. comes off. Stick them in some water and you'll root and make some new plants.
0: Nice. Um, this one coming from Colleen in Delminy. How come my tomatoes are not turning red?
2: Uh, sunlight. So you might have to do some pruning you know, okay. on your tomato plant because you mm-hmm. might have too many leaves and your your tomatoes are stuck in behind. So if you you do a little bit of pruning... Not too much pruning, so you don't wanna you know ripen that, that quick. But if you do a bit of pruning and then that'll get the sunlight into them and they'll ripen up way it, quicker. It
1: also could be the variety that was chosen too. Some varieties will take about 120 days to, to turn, to oh, turn okay. color and some of them are 60 days to turn color. So choosing the earlier varieties is really important too. Mm-hmm. Or else making sure that you get some row cover, um, so that we can extend the season a little bit and put a little hoop house of row cover over top so you can extend the season.
2: I was talking to Tim from the Huddersfield Colony yesterday he says that, he says, you want some tomatoes? have <laughs> so <they> got lots <laughs> because normally they pick them, like to pick them green, yes, and then they store them, and then they have them for longer in the season, right, and mm-hmm. they put them in the coolers and that, but he says this year all, it was so hot that he has he, everything's ripened, yeah, he's not going to have any tomatoes for later on, he said that it's been quite something where he's even pulling some plants out because he's got just too many tomatoes. Because uh, yeah, they so, all ripen at the same so time. So
1: generally with your tomatoes, to make them store longer, you don't want to wait for them to get fully ripe on the vine. You okay. want to take them off a little bit green and yep. then let them ripen um, sort of in a cold storage area. Mm-hmm. And then that's the best way to sort of do them. So the fact that yours haven't turned red yet is not the worst
0: thing in the world for storing. Yeah, yep. you might have them a little bit longer into yeah. the season. Yep. Or you can start doing some fried green tomatoes. Too. Yeah, why not? We've had a few people already start canning because their tomatoes just got ripe so quickly that it's yep. like salsas. We're doing soups. We have yep. everything going on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was down in Nashville and that was a big thing is like green tomatoes, fried green tomatoes, mm-hmm. green tomatoes um, with uh, breakfast eggs in the morning. Okay. Um, lots of people are doing that my, big trend down there. My
2: wife used to always you know can them whole type of thing oh yeah and then we used to what was your favorite food your kid's favorite food that mom used to always make
0: oh when she make macaroni Macaroni and
2: cheese and and then we used to layer the tomatoes in oh that'd be good oh yeah it was awesome
0: (laughs) paul has been waiting patiently through the break so we won't make him wait any longer good morning paul what's your question for rick and jill oh good morning good morning
7: Uh, it's it's nice clear
0: day today we didn't get a pie
7: (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, I want that pie.
7: That
1: was Thanks, Dad, for reminding me.
7: You're going to get one next year. Before... <laughs> Calling all listeners. We yeah. take pie <laughs> delivery. <laughs> um, my question is, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I stumbled across a, a bunch of trees that had plums on them. Hey. The little wild plums. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I've been watering them and fertilizing the bush and well, there's a bunch of trees in there. So, uh, this year I had about 30 of them. Now the other day I went outside and I've been testing them to make sure, you know, if they get ripen enough. Yep. I, I saw a lot of activity in, in my yard and I went out there and it was full of wax wings.
2: Oh yeah. They love those.
7: Oh, they loved those. They knocked them all. They knocked them all on the ground. They picked holes in them. They're done. I lost them all. Yep. Uh, Not a problem. But what I want to know is, this is kind of, it's gone a little out of control. Um, How how much can I trim this thing back?
2: You can trim back quite a bit. I mean, you can trim back up to, uh, I like fruit trees up to a third. Okay? Maximum a third.
7: Yeah, because I'm going to have to put a, a net over top of this thing.
2: Yep, that same thing. If you have hazcaps, you know those kind of things. The 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 robins and waxwings, they find those because they ripen in June. You'll just see the bush shaking. Oh no! Yeah, (laughs) you know.
7: Oh yeah, it was. I wonder what the heck is going on out here. And then I saw all the fruit on the ground. They didn't even eat them. They just knocked them down and then, you know, went to the next one, kind of thing. Oh yeah. So. Um, And and the netting, do I just lay it over top of the tree? Well, it
2: has to be down to the ground because they'll get underneath it, right? So that's the problem. They'll get underneath it. So it has to be down to the ground. So that's that's the big one. Okay. It's funny watching watching the waxwings in our grapevines, especially in the spring, uh, because all of a sudden you'll see them eating for about 15-20 minutes and all of a sudden they all flap and big and there's kind of doing a wacky fly <laughs> you know because they're all they're all fermented grapes right
7: <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's like an army comes in they come yep. in as, a, as an army
2: oh well, they do come as an army
7: yeah um one little quick question about weeds here i've got i've got a weed that's kind of almost taken control of my yard it's it's got a purple stalk on it and when you cut it uh it just gets a thicker stalk. Yep. So I've been picking them one at a time, and I really can't seem to get control of this. Is there? What, what do I do for this?
2: Yeah, the, the biggest one you can use is for that one because if, if you leave them long enough, they have a zillion seeds. Yes. Right. And so then once, the, then they started getting out of the control. So yeah, getting them so that before they go to seed, even if you cut the seed head off, because they're just an annual, right? They won't come up again. So as long as you can get rid of that seed head, because they, but they, you said they'll, they'll put up a new stock, but just if you, if you can just make sure that you get especially the seed head off, then you won't have the problems in the, in the future. But you can also use corn gluten. Okay. In the spring, that'll stop those seeds from germinating.
6: Okay, okay, but you so can't like use that
2: in garden, right? You don't use that in the in places where you're not going to actually in the know, flower bed, in the flower bed or the or the shrub bed or in the lawn, as long as you're not going to top dress your your you know your
1: your. I use it in grassy. some places in my garden where I I just use transplants and I don't seed. Yep, I use it that way too.
7: So that so that plant that was growing today, it's not going to grow next year.
2: No, it won't come up next year, but it'll, the seed will come up next year.
7: Yeah, but I'll still have that stock that I'm going to have to pull out. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, or tail up or whatever, it's in your garden or whatever, you know. But,
7: okay, perfect. Right? Give it yeah. a good yank.
2: Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, but it, it's mainly, uh, it's it, it's a seed that'll come up next year, so you need to control that seed.
7: Yeah, so I'm going heavy corn gluten and, uh, and let the grass that's there yep. just grow.
2: Because I, I pulled them and threw them on the ground, and actually the seed ripened, and then right where I threw them, because uh, I remember where I threw them, and because I seen the remnants of them the next year, all those little plants grow up right where I threw it, right? Because all the yeah. seeds still germinated.
1: Rookie move, Rick.
2: I know you got to pull them out, <laughs> especially the seed heads. Even if you don't pull the weed out, you got to get the seed heads and get rid of those.
7: Yeah, I did. I did the same mistake as you did, Rick. Yep. So I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and by the way, this time of year. uh, a toasted tomato and bacon sandwiches. Well. Oh yeah. Oh, so bacon. A little
1: bit of pepper and salt yep. on it. Oh, that my sounds goodness. great. Slice a little bit of Let's... avocado on there too.
0: Oh. Mm. Why not?
7: We're living the life. <laughs>
6: living the life. <laughs>
1: Have I, I, a great day! Thanks, Paul. You, you too. too, Paul. Thanks. I love that that like plum trees. A lot of people don't think about that. Yeah. Remember, we also have like we had some espalier pear trees growing yep. um, in our parking lot at the yep. garden center too. And a little, people would walk by me like, "It's those pears growing on that tree." Yep. But you can grow pears here in Saskatchewan oh, you, too. You
2: get, you, if you grow pears here, you get so many pears. Like it's really? unbelievable. But you get the new varieties now, like yes. like um, like early early gold or or golden spice. The old ones like Er and David and all those ones—they're they're like hockey. I call them hockey pucks, but okay. <laughs>
1: they're hard. <laughs> but and they're smaller. They're a smaller they're, pair, but small,
2: and tons of them. Like a people, pick, pair. people pick, people pick five-gallon pail to five-gallon pail to five-gallon pail. Like there's just so many. But at least the new varieties, they, you get a, it's a good tasting one.
1: I was telling Aaron, we always have people coming into the parking lot and (laughs) almost standing on the bumpers of cars getting at the, at the pears and at the apples in the the parking lot. And the pear,
2: the pear tree is just a beautiful shape. Like it's, it's shaped like a pear. Like it's wide in the bottom, goes near the top. And then there's so many flowers on. That's why there's so many fruit. Mm -hmm. But there's so many flowers. They're a gorgeous plant in the spring. And if you want a like, if you want a privacy tree that doesn't get humongous. Yeah like tall tall uh pear would be perfect Would you
1: need it. two pear trees to pollinate them?
2: They they just like an apple. They they'll pollinate way better if you have two.
1: And it has to be a pear and a pear. It can't pear be like pear. a pear and an apple. Pear pear. Okay. Perfect.
0: Okay. Um we have a couple texts we can probably get to here before our next break. Uh this one from Linda in Candle Lake. Can I split and replant rhubarb this time of year?
2: Uh yes. Wait, I, I'd wait until to get one frost on or some cooler weather on the rhubarb first. Okay. So even if you get one frost, even as light frost, then do it. It'll do, it'll do better that way and split it. Absolutely.
0: All right. Um, this one coming from Pamela in White City. Wondering if or how I can get rid of white poplar fuzz.
2: <laughs> it's called a chainsaw.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> white poplar fuzz is a seasonal yeah. thing that just comes
1: around. Oh, just... yeah.
2: If you, you got that type of poplar that creates, it's a male. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of the new hybrids, which are female. They don't have the fuzz. Okay. But yeah. But I guess
1: that's a good point to make: is plant the right tree for what yeah, you want, yeah. and if you don't want that, don't plant mm-hmm. that male one; yeah. plant the female one.
2: Yeah. So, bottom line, like kind said, of stuck with it. Keep it
1: healthy. Yes.
2: Honestly, mm-hmm. if you keep it healthy, it'll produce less seed.
1: That's okay. true.
2: That's very okay? true. Okay. So that's anything with the elms, anything else, it will produce less seed if you keep it healthy. Like even the sour cherry, mm-hmm. you don't fertilize a sour cherry because it'll because if you fertilize it lots, it'll have way less fruit. Okay. Okay, so so keeping the tree healthy, if you can't not gonna get rid of it, then yeah. the best way is keep it healthy so that it doesn't need to produce a lot of seed to try to reproduce itself.
1: Because remember, a cycle of a plant is like to reproduce. So mm-hmm.
0: if it's feeling like it's gonna die, it's like, Oh no, I need to reproduce before yeah. I
1: die, and then you'll start producing yep. more
0: seed. Okay. Uh we have some callers waiting on the line here. We start off in Saskatoon with Angela. Good morning, Angela. What's your question for Rick and Jill today?
4: Hi there. I have uh, jalapeno pepper in pot, and a couple of weeks ago, we took off all the peppers. There was tons of them, and all of a sudden, it rebloomed again, and I've got a bunch of peppers starting again. My question is, do I do anything different with them now, being it that the nights are colder and, and all of that? Because it looks like I'm going to have a second crop, and I've never had this happen before
1: the biggest thing that you're going to have to worry about is you might not have as many pollinators around at this time of year. So you might need to self-pollinate them. So go around with a Q-tip and touch the the tips of flowers into each other or take one of the flowers off and rub it onto the other flowers. And you'll need
2: to bring them in and and have grow lights to finish them off.
1: Yeah. So remember the the amount of days that it takes to ripen them. So you're looking at about once they start to bloom, you're looking at probably about another like 30 30 days or so to finish.
2: Do these in pots or in the ground, Did did you say?
1: These are in pots. Yeah, so you yeah. can
2: bring them inside easy.
1: So bring them inside, and you want to add a grow light. Our light, our daylight is going to be decreasing a little bit here, and you're going to need about 8 to 12 hours of of light in order mm-hmm. for those to continue to produce, um, produce fruit for you. Um, so, yeah, definitely but I, you but can. I, I would definitely
2: leave them outside during the day and only if it's going to go down below basically below 10 eight, degrees 8 or 8 or 10 degrees
1: i would okay. say 10 yeah. degrees because anything cooler than that it's going to set back and and set back the timing on your plant a little bit yep. and it's going to slow it down so if you can keep it those nighttime temperatures a little bit warmer that plant's going to produce a lot faster for you
2: and that could be okay. even covering them, you know? Yep. And so, yeah, so but, exactly. but, I mean, bring them indoors, put them out in the hot sun to the daytime will help finish them off quicker. But, but
1: peppers we actually sell as a fall crop because they are a cool weather crop too. Yep. So okay. um, a lot of times people will in in climates that have um, a lot longer growing mm-hmm. season, yes. they do naturally have about two different, two crops of peppers on their plants. Yep.
3: Should I be fertilizing?
1: Yes, definitely keep fertilizing them as if you normally would. Um, So don't stop doing that with any of your annuals or vegetables. Um, The only time you want to stop or slow down on your fertilizing is when they actually have the fruit on them. Um, You want to slow down your fertilizing a little bit.
4: Okay, last question. Should I be removing a bunch more of the leaves? Because before the first crop came, I took all the bottom leaves off and should I, should I remove a bunch of leaves again now to m- maybe speed it up to get the energy going into the fruit?
1: Yeah, you definitely can do that. Take some of the leaves off, so it puts more energy into the fruit, and you can also reduce the amount of flowers that you have, so it just focuses on a few of the flowers to produce.
2: Plus the temperature is cooling down now, so mm-hmm. then you don't need those leaves to protect the fruit, right, as much. Okay. You actually want the sun to be on them.
4: Okay. Oh,
3: okay. okay. Thank you very much. Love your show. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. you too, Angela.
0: All right, we'll do a couple of text messages here. Uh, if you have a question or need some tips, you can give us a call. 1 332 8255. This one coming from Wendy in White City. 10 foot bur oak tree has many clumps of half inch gals, galls, little brown, little brown gals. Uh on small branches. A yep. uh, tree is swarming with black hornets yep. uh, that look like they're trying to get something out of them. Will it hurt the tree?
2: Yeah, well, these, the, what it is, is a little parasitic, wasp, it's a wasp type of thing that are making these little, what they do is they, they make a little bite into the bark. Okay. And then that causes it, put, they put their spit in there and causes a little hormone growth, which is that gull. And then they put their little egg inside there. Okay. Cause you'll see right now, there'll be all holes mm-hmm. in those right now. And so if you, if there's just a few of them, it's not bad, but I've seen them where they've killed the branch because the branch is just so covered with these Mm-hmm. That obviously it it inhibits the sap going up into the branch. Okay, so the best way to get rid of those, I find, my father had did a really good job of, of controlling his, and he sprayed dormant oil in the spring. Okay. So spraying your tree, so that's basically in about the middle to the third week of April when it's warm enough to spray, but before the leaves come on, you spray the whole tree with oil. Because if you notice a burr oak, it's, the bark is really corky, mm-hmm. so there's lots of crevices and that for all the insects to hide in. So you give it a good, use a hose and sprayer and you give it a good spray. So at that point in time, you haven't turned your sprinkler on, so you might have to Run a hose out from where you hook up your wash machine, right, or okay. something. Or if you have a tap that goes outside that you can turn on and turn off without turning on your old manifold, because you don't want to freeze that. Yeah. And so then you can just you can douse the whole tree, and you can also that helps to stop things like uh, black knot from choke cherries and those kind of things. So there are other things you can use dormant oil for. Uh, or if you have a lot of insects on some plants, that this will coat that tree, so those insects don't hatch again. Okay. So dormant oil is the best one, and you've got to do it in the spring.
0: All right. Sounds good. Um, this one from Pat uh, near Saskatoon. Is it too early to plant garlic? Any special instructions?
1: Uh no! Now is the time. Actually, you want to be picking up your fall bulbs. So, but you want to wait till your daytime temperatures are sitting around, like I would say, less than 15 degrees. So okay. that's kind of like your sweet spot, that 10 to 15 degrees to plant them, because you want to plant them when it's cool enough that they're not going to actively start growing, yeah. but they're still going to get rooted in. You,
2: you want to get rooted. So
1: I would say end of September, perfect time to plant them. They can get rooted in in October. You can even go a little bit earlier if yeah. you
2: want. A little bit earlier because because the weather in Saskatchewan it can right? change
1: on our
0: oh yeah dime. for
2: your front your back door, it can change, right? So it's uh, in Saskatchewan. So you want to be careful because all of a sudden it can flip the other way and then it don't have enough time to get rooted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what you want to be careful about.
1: So. And I always make sure you grab some bone meal when you're going to be doing it. Put a little bit of bone meal in the hole too. Um, and if you have really clay soil, stick a handful of sand or something in the bottom of the hole too, just to help with drainage.
0: Okay. Um, this one coming from... Oh, we don't have a name on this one. Uh, but it is a vole question, and we, we seem to get these a couple times a year. We yep. get the we get the different, uh, now, I guess, seasons of voles. Now's <laughs> the time
2: to do the vole hunting because I'll get rid of them for you don't have them all winter eating okay. your plants underneath the snow.
0: So it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big job this time of year. Yep. Um, they're wondering, uh, a comment on lawn care. We have vole issues on our property. Is yep. there any tips to get rid of them? We have a shrub surrounding the yard that we think the voles like to live in.
2: Yep. So just get a shoebox. Or some kind of a box, put holes in it so the voles can get inside of it. They love to go in places like that. Put some, just go to a dollar store and pick up some cheap wooden snap traps. Okay. Put peanut butter and a craisin or a raisin on them, and I tell you, you can put, you'll have to put a, probably if you want, you can probably put a bunch of traps inside that box mm-hmm. if you can, because you. I've had people call me up and says, I caught fifteen.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> You'll catch Sometimes lots. it's the simplest methods that are the most yeah, effective. It's,
2: it's uh, the, the reason why I put it in a box for, because you don't want to catch a bird. Oh, yeah. That's the only reason you put it in a box so that you don't catch a bird. So you have so to have upside some... Upside down
1: box, even if you have a larger box, yeah. so upside down box, and then set the traps underneath the box. Some way that, okay.
2: that they can get underneath, you know, you have mm-hmm. to...
8: Make a little, little holes. hole, or, yeah. or
2: put some hole underneath the bottom, or something like that, somewhere like that, and then you'll catch lots of. Them. And you need to start doing now because now they're starting to put all their forage together for the winter time, and okay. then they're going to be going into your grass and and eating your like they eat my apple trees last year. And, <laughs>
0: They're going to start getting a little too comfortable it's, soon. Yes.
2: Yeah, you, you want to get rid of them now. Now's the time you want to do it.
0: All right. Um, this one coming from Rose in Saskatoon. Can I use Bug Out X instead of End All on plants that I'm bringing in from outside so as to not bring any little friends with them?
2: Yes. The only one you have to watch out for is, I think. It might be ivies.
1: There, there's some plants yeah. that it doesn't do so well on. Yeah. Um, okay. Some of your ferns it doesn't do so well on. I would avoid using it on there. Um, it's just a little bit more of a harsher, harsher chemical. So read the back of the, the yeah. container. It will say which varieties of plants you should not yeah. use it on. Okay. Um, like sometimes your cactus and succulent, probably not best to use it on those. Um, just the way that they absorb it, it it's yeah. just it's
2: and just Remember Bug X Out is just a brand name. Okay. There's Bug X Out Pyrethrin. There's Bug X, X Out Malathion. Mm-hmm. So there's two different ones. So, so make sure you check the... the label because it'll say what it is, whether it be malthine or pyrethrin, and then it'll tell you on there what plants not to use. But most plants they're okay for.
1: Yeah, if you have like a big fig ficus tree or something like that, you definitely could use it. But I would spray that outside mm-hmm. before I bring it yeah, inside. Yeah, you, you, you can't spray something. You not spray those indoors. indoors.
2: No, don't spray those ones indoors.
0: All right. Um, this one is coming from Blair in Saskatoon. We have an upside down weeping willow tree that's three years old. Uh, last two years it's thrived, but this year it basically died. But from the base of the tree, new shoots grew that are about 10 feet tall and growing like crazy. Assuming the tree is dead as the branches are brittle, the shoots look horrible as the feature of the tree was an upside down look. Yep. Do we dig it up and try again? Yep. We used uh, Mike's when we planted it. Also, any advice to keep the deer away?
2: Yeah, it was probably a young guy. It was called a young guy weeping birch. Okay, and uh, they're sort of borderline hardy, and so if we had a bad winter, then they're gonna have, they could go. And what's coming from the base is just a regular white birch. Okay. Okay, so it's not gonna be a weeping one. It's just gonna be a a white birch. Can be a it's gonna be a big big birch yeah. tree. So, so, you can either cut it down and you can cut your your weeping part out because it's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can leave those other ones if you want to have that, or you get rid of the whole root and you start again. But like I said, um, yeah, the young guys I've seen them live for a long time in some yards, and other yards, if it's more open, then if you have a bad winter, they can have some damage.
0: All right. Just kind
1: of depends yep. where it's at, I
2: guess. Location.
1: And then the last thing, which you're an expert on, he had some <laughs> the <questions> deer. <laughs> about how do I keep the deer away from eating yeah. them?
2: I, I'm just in the process right now of putting a, around my acre and a half, I'm putting a deer fence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it seems like uh, one of the best ways. Uh, we have a caller waiting on the line, Les from Corning. Good morning, Les. What's your question for Rick and Jill today?
9: Well, in the spring, I talked to you about my Carolina Reaper peppers. Mm. And, uh, I got them going in the garden. Uh, like we started them February 7th in the house and then transplanted not until June the 11th, being it was a cool spring outside.
6: Yep.
1: That's my birthday. It's the
3: perfect day.
9: <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> um, <laughs> what my question is I've got some nice peppers but they're, I don't know, they're shaped kind of like a scorpion tail.
6: Yep. Type.
4: yep.
9: And uh, I know they're hot. They're green, but they're hot. You touch them and you'll get blisters on your <laughs> fingers.
4: Yeah.
1: And you want to eat that. You want to <laughs> use gloves when you're handling them at all times.
9: Right, right. I found that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're green still, and they've been staying green for quite a while. Um, I'm not so sure there's going to be enough time this fall to turn them red.
2: Are they in in full sun?
9: uh, They're in full sun.
2: Is there a lot of leaves on the plant still?
9: Oh, they look beautiful. Yeah. Yeah,
2: so you might want to thin the leaves out so the sun can get at the fruit.
9: Okay. Another yeah.
1: thing that they do up north um, to help ripen their fruit a little bit is if you sort of put a blanket over top of them and fill like some milk jugs up with water and st- stick them underneath that blanket at night, it will increase those nighttime temperatures and sometimes speed up the ripening as well too. So that's another trick.
9: Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I know I'm going to probably have to put a crop cover over. Yeah,
1: so do that crop cover, but fill up those jugs with some water. They'll it heat up during the, the day, day and then they'll release the, the heat in the na- in nighttime.
9: Okay. 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 Well, I found out deer don't like them. They're right in the same row
2: many of <minis. laughs> Yep, no, they, that's a good, de- that's perfect for deer deterrent, actually. They have those type of peppers actually in deer deterrent. Uh, deterrent. Yep, deer yeah. sprays.
1: And the other thing, too, is when you're harvesting them, like you said, wear your gloves, but some people also wear safety glasses as well, too, when they're cutting them or anything like that, because you get any of that in your face or in your mouth or anything like oh, that. No. And if you get a seed or something, it can burn really
2: bad.
9: Even the green coloring, eh? Yeah. Yep. They're still fairly hot. And so don't
2: yeah. rub your eyes after you touched them with your hands.
9: Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, the deer came in, and they picked all our tomatoes out of our tomato crop and they managed to get around the peppers and they ate every one of our tomatoes this year. We've got a terrible deer population yeah. this year.
2: I had I had a, uh, my sister-in-law told me yesterday they they had half their tomatoes were being eaten all the time. They couldn't figure out what was doing it. Cause they're in a closed yard. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden she saw a squirrel. <laughs> the squirrel was eating <laughs> all of her tomatoes. Oh,
9: yeah. yeah. I yeah. never
1: but putting up one of those scarecrow um, sprinklers is probably the best deterrent for those yes. deer. So stick one of those on the corner of your yard, and it, they have a sensor, and when the deer come into the yard, they'll spray them, and it scares them away. So
2: yep, that really it's works. It's a detector. You hook up your garden hose to it in a mulch detector, and it sprays them, and it'll even get you if you forget to turn it off.
9: <laughs> right, right. Well, I look at it as if hunting season's coming, and uh, if I'm feeding them, I'm going to eat one. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah. Uh, No, I just was wondering, like, if I do have to pick some green, uh, I can still dry them and they'll still be fine. A lot of times you,
2: you can ripen them inside too, right? Put them in a sunny window, you know, on a piece of paper, on some paper. And lay them out, and you can you can ripen them inside
1: too. Yeah, you definitely can. And if you want to ripen them faster, then put them with some other fruit. Like don't put them so they're touching other fruit, but maybe like put a couple of bananas on that piece of paper with them, and they will rip,
9: ripen yeah, faster the, as well.
2: The ethylene gases from the other fruit will make them ripen
9: faster. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's good to know. Thank okay. you very much. You're very welcome. Okay. Have a good day. Yep. You, you too. too.
0: Alright, we go to Robert in Regina. Good morning, Robert. What's your question for Rick and Jill today?
6: Yeah, good morning. I'm just curious on uh, fall maintenance of such plants as peonies, hostas, lilies, and iris. Should they be cut down in the fall and remove all the material or leave until spring? Well, and Are they each treated differently, sort of?
1: This is a great question. Those are all perennials, and so a perennial dies back to the ground into its rootstock and grows up from the bottom, not like a tree and shrub which grows off the, new, the, the old oh, wood. Um, so, if you lived in a climate where we didn't get these freeze thaws, um, we didn't want to capture snow for insulation, I would say cut everything down in the fall. That's kind of what I would say as a general rule of thumb. But yeah. because we sometimes we don't know how, how much snowfall we're going to get, those extra, leaving those branches up will actually catch some extra snow um, and help with extra insulation. Or the
2: hostas, they lay down to the ground, they actually add mulch yeah right to the ground
1: so i I tend to to some of my plants, if I have areas that get lots of snow and are a little bit more sheltered in my yard I'll cut those ones down, clean those ones up um in the fall wait till they sort of die back down the leaf, the cold temperatures start making the leaves turn sort of yellow or brown, and that's the sign that you can cut them back um, otherwise leave them up and do the clean up in the spring yep.
6: in the spring, okay, mm-hmm. and remove all that and put into. The appropriate recycling then. Yeah, yeah, you can
1: put it right into your. If you have a green bin, put it into there. Put it into your compost. compost. All yeah. of those different things, yeah. but you can cut them. All of those right back down to the ground is the best because remember, all those leaves are not doing anything next year, so but, getting rid of them now is better.
2: But in the spring, as soon as the snow disappears, before the new buds start coming up out of the ground. Okay? Yeah,
1: cut them right, right back.
6: Okay, right to the ground before the
0: before before the, comes before the, before the buds the come, come
6: out. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Great. Appreciate your time. Yep. Have a great Thank day. Thank you.
0: You too. All right, we can probably get to a couple texts here. Um, this one is all about beets, carrots, and potatoes. Can they leave them in the garden for now, and should they continue to water? Uh, you want to slow down on your
1: watering right now. The cool temperatures is going to keep the moisture in the in the soil, like it doesn't dry out as quickly. Right? So stick your finger into the soil. You don't want things to get bone yeah. dry, um, mm, but you don't. you don't want it to be moist at all down there, especially with your root crops. Um, you can leave them in the ground right up to the temperatures are actually slightly um, frosty. So they they are frost tolerant crop. They're in the ground. You don't want, of course, the ground to be yeah. freezing. <laughs> um, that would be too much. But uh, when our temperatures are sitting around zero, that's that's you uh, can I, definitely. Even, I knew someone right who to used then. to put
2: an insulated tarp out in the garden okay. and then lift it up and, and then harvest. Lift it up and go harvest even <laughs> when the snow is on the
1: ground. Yeah. I mean, I guess so, if you can. <laughs> so you, those temperatures, you just want to keep that ground from. As soon as the ground is freezing, your crop is freezing as well too. Yeah. You don't want that. So just sort of watch that. Some people will even stick a probe thermometer in the ground to sort of check the temperatures and see where it's going. That temperature should be sitting around no colder than about two degrees.
0: All right. Um, This one is coming from Ross in Saskatoon. I live in the city and have what looks like spider mite or question mark, in my hedge, so I think that's just an autocorrect on the old uh, text message there. Uh, Small webbing intertwined in the hedge, a lot on the top. Is it worth spraying these yet this fall or should I just let the colder weather take them out?
2: Well, no, with this weather, because they'll they'll start laying eggs right away for next year, right? Okay. So with plus 20, 22 degrees right now, 24 degrees we're getting for the next week for sure, Mm -hmm. uh, they're still active, okay? And so you can bring down some of those numbers so that next year you don't have quite as many.
1: Now, okay. he's seeing, saying that he sees webbing on his hedge. Yeah. I see a ton of webbing on some of my tree shrubs and those types but, of things, and that's just a regular spider yeah. as well. This webbing so would be Webbing right... would be like under the leaf, almost it's so tiny that yeah. it's almost connecting the veins of the leaf together. Oh, okay. That's how small spider mite is. Yeah. If it's a web that's covering from branch to branch, that is that, not... That's uh, a garden spider. That's, it's a garden okay. spider, different. You do spider ban on that. Okay, and would you have to spray that one now?
2: Yeah, it's, but the regular the regular garden spiders you don't have to do anything with. Okay, right? they're
1: more of a nuisance for, they for ca- aesthetics.
2: They sure. catch other insects, so they actually okay. do a good thing.
0: They're one of those helpful, uh, helpful garden yep. buddies. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have a caller waiting on the line here, Joe in Prince Albert. Good morning, Joe. What's your question for Rick and Jill today?
8: Good morning, gang. Good morning. Thanks have a gravel area in my backyard that I've been trying to get rid of grass all summer long and uh, not having a lot of success. So I'm thinking that I'm going to dig out that gravel and maybe replace it with some kind of a low ground cover that requires minimal maintenance. Okay. Any suggestions?
2: Well, there's, there's a couple ways you can do it. One is like putting something like a, a Prince of Wales juniper. Uh, or, uh, or another one is called blue chip juniper or, or another one will tone or blue rug juniper. And because the, you
1: have a really like rocky sandy yeah. area, those all thrive yeah. in that type of climate And the area. one that
2: grow the quickest I find is the Prince of Wales mm-hmm. and covers the ground really nice. And it's only oh. like, it's only like four inches high basically. But that's not a
1: ground cover that you tend to like walk on top of. Are you looking for something that you can walk on or are you looking for just something to fill that area and make it green?
8: Well, yeah, I'd like to be able to walk on it but not a high traffic area. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean the junipers you
2: can walk on them, but it's it's uh but the other ones you can put in there is if you want to put some there's a bunch of perennials you can put in there,
1: yeah, like you can do some thyme and things and some sedums and different things like that. but what I would suggest if you're doing something like that is make it aesthetically pleasing. You can have some of these in there, put some larger rocks in there, uh maybe put some taller Carl Forster to give it some depth and definition, and then sort of make it into more of like a um um a euroscape is what we call it so it's like a low maintenance but it looks like it's landscape because i sometimes find like if you mix up some of these even um those sedums and the the times and even some of your flocks the the growth on them is just not consistent enough like grass and you're expecting it to look even like grass and it's not ever going to look like is that. it
8: sunny or shady It's sunny, full sun. Yeah,
1: it's never not going to look like that, so you're better to go in with a plan. So what you could do is take a picture of that area, go into your garden center. It's slower right now in the garden centers too, so now is a perfect time to do planning and get them to sort of draw up a plan of maybe what you could do that would maybe look more aesthetically pleasing with using some of those as well too.
8: Great. Okay. Uh, Another question. Um, I've got a uh, vine up on my garage that covers the whole entire wall and heading down one of the sides, which I like. It's very prolific. It doesn't flower. I'm not sure what it is.
2: Probably a Virginia creeper or it could be a grape even.
8: Okay. I don't think it's a grape. I'm going to say Virginia creeper. Does it
2: turn red in the fall? It does. Yeah. Virginia creeper or Ingleman ivy?
8: Am I too late in the season? Because it's still uh, shooting, I guess it's still new growth. Coming. Yep. Um, is it too late for me to take some of those clippings and plant them in the ground in other areas in the yard where I'd like them to
2: grow? If, if there's some that are touching the ground that have roots on them already, you can do that no problem. If you're starting the roots, it's a little bit late. I do it that. I do that next summer.
1: Yeah, I do it more uh, like mid June.
8: Yep. Well, okay. Right on. Lastly, I've got some nice northern ferns this year that uh, had their first set of fronds, and the second set were coming up nice, about eight, ten inches high, and then they kind of turned black and hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Not sure what was going on there. That's
1: completely natural. That's just them creating their seed pods. Um, and you'll see that they might not do that every year, but they'll do that every few years for you. So, Especially it's, when it's a hot year
2: like when this last year. When you have a hot
1: year, you'll tend to get it. And it's just the way that they kind of protect themselves and they produce seeds. So that's completely
8: normal. Uh, is that a sign of health or stress?
1: Um, it, it, it's a cycle that they go through. Um, it's a cycle that they reproduce. So in those those hard black things, will actually produce more seed fronds, and then those will and, fall on the you, ground and reproduce. And you see more so. seed
2: means more stress.
1: So, yeah, it's usually stress from heat or something that's happening in the climate to sort of help them reproduce.
8: Right on. Okay, well, thanks again for the great advice, you guys. Okay. Right. Have a good day. You too
0: all right we head to watson uh for mike good morning mike what's your question for rick and jill okay
6: i'm a little bit guilty i was listening to you all morning and i walked out of the room for A few minutes, it came back, and he said, "And that's how it helped, and that will help it ripen." Were you talking about green tomatoes, or were you talking about green peppers? Whatever, I like. I was given by a friend a bunch of tomatoes, and some of them are green, and I'd like to ripen them faster. So, were you giving advice on that? Just put. I missed.
2: Yeah, just putting some fruit beside them—an apple or a banana or something like that—and then close by them, and then the ethylene gas from that will ripen your fruit, your vegetables quicker.
6: Okay. Thank you. much. Mm-hmm. somebody said, "Agree, uh, p- p- put them in a paper bag helps as well, but not really, right?"
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, d- they keeping the gases around them, so that also. But I mean, you put some other fruit beside them. That's why we oh. don't like to put fruit beside things like bulbs and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. in the fridge because it'll yep. actually some of the ethylene gas will kill some of the some of those things. But it makes good. it want to ripen way quicker.
6: Excellent. Thanks okay. so much. Okay. Yep. Have a good day. You too, Mike. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Uh, We have a couple texts we can get to here before the end of the show. Uh, This one coming from Anne-Marie in Humboldt. Uh, Several farmyards in my area have been damaged with a herbicide drift, WeatherMax, from a plane spraying the neighboring fields. Our garden has been affected with spots on the cucumbers, beans, onions, spinach, even a tree. Wondering if there's anything we can do to salvage them, and should we be eating these vegetables?
2: Yeah, uh, depending what he, depending what he was spraying, obviously, because if some of them if they're just spraying a desiccant, it's more like a vinegar type of a, okay. of a. Of a of a you said
1: WeatherMax. I'm, yeah, sure I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with familiar that one. one, so that's something that you would yeah. want to look up. Yeah. Um, you even talk to the farmer, and they would have like a write-up of what what is safe. Is it safe on food crops? Mm-hmm. Is it safe on yeah. different things? How many days after harvesting can I be eating it? So if you know the name of the chemical, it's good just to do the research yeah. on it. Okay. Um, if you're if you're unsure, you can even call like Early's, and um, they know a ton about or, the different or chemicals. your farm service your farm center. Farm service center. Um, then they but, can definitely help you out. But too. that's that's. A good question.
2: I've been getting yeah. tons of calls about spray drift. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's one that flew by my house, like almost over top of my house the other okay. day, but it, you could smell the vinegar. So you're doing do, do desiccant. And uh, But uh, if all the farmers are listening right now, be aware if you're hire, hiring somebody and that kind of stuff to do your spraying, that be aware of your neighbors. Mm-hmm. There's been lots of litigation going on about over drifting the sprays. And uh, and now all of these low drift nozzles they have right now, we put a water droplet down. Okay. What that's done is that it's made it so that the spray drift doesn't go as quick, but now, they, they, now everybody figures, okay, well now I can go in 60 kilometer winds and spray. Yeah. Well, that's still, you're going to get a lot of drifting and you start spraying that. And, and I understand. one thing
1: we have to be careful of is we still need to do some of the spraying in order to keep our crops mm-hmm. good. Yeah. But if we cause problems to everybody around, there's going to be so many complaints that the government's going to take it off the market mm-hmm. and going to start making rules so hard so that they can't do it. So you have to kind of have so, this balance. So
2: think of this buffer strip that you need to put around other residential properties or even your own yeah. yard, right? And it's hard because you're trying to do the crops and you only have so many days and if you were hiring it out, He's only going to be at your place at this date. Otherwise, he's moving on to the next yeah. place. it's one so, of those
1: like um, I, f- I find it's like it's a it's a hard situation because yeah. they need to do this to be able to maintain yeah. their crop, yeah. but at the same time you have to be respectful of everybody around but, them. But, but you're uh, on a time frame too. Yes. So I've had a whole sos-
2: oh, I had a whole sos- berry farm wiped out in a nursery up near t- uh, Tisdale mm-hmm. uh, area, Nippon area that was totally wiped out with Roundup. So, hmm. so you have to be careful. Yeah, yeah that drift
1: yeah. is is a yeah. tricky one. Um, I know some people who will even like cut, do crop covers um, at certain oh, times okay. when they know that their farmers are spraying. So oh, yes. Even just letting the neighbors know yeah. maybe. A lot of it's
2: communication. We yeah. can deal with a lot of these things with communication and, um, and just seeing, you know, finding out what's going on in your area rather than just mm-hmm. going out there and spraying.
1: But yeah. most of the time, if there is a little bit and it's maybe affected some of the leaves, but uh, you can usually just pick some of those leaves off. It's usually just damage that's done to the leaf and um, if the fruit is already at a stage where it is uh, ripe and ready to produce, it, it hasn't harmed the fruit enough so you can yeah. still enjoy it. But again, with any chemical, I always like to check to see what it is and how many days before harvesting that I can consume.
0: All right. And that brings us to the end of the show for the week. You've been listening to Garden Talk here on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME.